Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello there, welcome to 1% Better, and this is episode 107. I just had to check there, and the last couple of weeks releasing a Tuesday episode and a Friday episode have kind of thrown my numbers out a little bit i'm recording this one and i am going to keep this very short <laughs> i say that all the time uh, i'm recording this on sunday monday night bank holiday monday well in advance of the friday show and i wanted to call out that tomorrow night as in last tuesday night i released or am releasing uh, an episode a live stream show of one percent better with neil seligman i'm looking forward to this one and hopefully by the time you're listening to this you can check it out or have already it's all about consciousness awaking or reawakening consciousness meditation and mindfulness and neil uh, hopefully was in great form on the episode and it was one i was looking forward to record for a while over the next number of weeks i've recorded a few other shows in and around meditation walking meditation running meditation and other approaches and we'll be releasing those under kind of a meditation mindfulness series of one percent better that was episode 106 hopefully it went down well last week as i said doing the two a week one with ian farrar last friday and lots of people connecting in on that we talked about burnout and balancing life and work or not as maybe the case is sometimes uh, and talking about fear interesting a lot of people checked it out over the weekend the podcast had got up to number two i think that's the highest it's ever been in the education charts in ireland so that's awesome always a good sign when people are subscribing to the show it helps with that and then random folks check it out as a result and listen to it thanks for doing that and the infrarar episode was a good one very much a a chat and a sound guy as well so when i recorded this episode a few weeks back i was a little bit i wouldn't say awestruck but it was kind of a strange one in that when i was able to entice the guest to come on the show it was one i was really looking forward to susan bennett was a name that i probably hadn't connected with the voice until following a bit of research online to figure out who this person was but my long-winded way of saying susan bennett was the original voice of siri in our conversation i dig into how that came about we also look back into our early stages of our career around voice acting and acting in general and very musical lady what struck me when we talked was her reluctance to come out as surrey when it did happen uh when her voice was used as surrey how that actually was a a fear factor for her and took her a long while to get to the point of coming out and announcing that is me but from there so many good things have happened for her in her life it was a fascinating story she just ted talks on it now she travels the world she's been on letterman all as a result of having a pretty cool voice and being able to use it to her advantage we go into the details of how the whole surrey voices recorded as well something i never thought of but learned something from it's a really good one it's all about hard work lucky breaks and facing your fear and hopefully those are some common themes that will be of interest to you i will leave it there i'll let you enjoy this one with susan bennett the original voice of siri and have a great weekend a great week ahead good luck 
Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast. And this one I'm focusing in on the theme, I suppose, of communication, uh, the power of voice and talking with somebody whose voice uh, I'm pretty sure you've all heard at this point um, in Susan Bennett, uh, the original voice of Surrey. Susan, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for coming along. Thank you, Rob. Great to chat to you. And as I said off air, um, thanks for being flexible. It's a Saturday when we're recording. It's rare I would do a Saturday recording, but I uh, wasn't letting this one slip by. So thanks again for, for that. Oh, you're welcome. So Susan, love to hear about your story. I have a bunch of questions. I kind of like to go off on tangents. Hopefully that's okay with you. Um, one thing I like to start off with is what have you, is there any one thing that you've learned in the last week that stands out? In the last week? Hmm. Oh, hmm. Uh, well, actually, yes, we've had to deal with a very good friend's uh, terrible health condition. And uh, so one thing I've learned is, you know, quit complaining and uh, try to enjoy uh, every day. <laughs> yeah, very good. It's it's interesting when we get those sort of challenges coming at us and we realize how lucky we are in so, so many ways. And then all too quickly, we kind of forget about it as well. But uh, that's that's interesting. That's good. Good to hear. Good. Um, good for you to uh check back in and, and be thankful I suppose and grateful for everything you've got I, I like to go very back to the start and uh, in, in people's journeys and their careers when you were growing up do you have an earliest memory well I'm not really sure I I was uh, when I was a little kid I used to love to dress up uh, for every TV show I would see so I had a little ballerina outfit and I had a Davy Crockett outfit and uh, I was I was quite a little performer and one of the things I talk about in my presentation is the fact that when you're a little kid, sometimes you're just naturally drawn to certain things that indicate what you're going to do in adulthood. Mm. And I had two toys that were indicators of that for me. One was a one octave toy piano. And at the age of four, I was able to pick out melodies on this little piano. Now, neither of my parents is musical. So I don't even know how they ended up buying me a, a little toy piano. But the next door neighbor heard me playing and called my parents and said, I think you have a very musical child. I'm getting ready to move and I would like to give her my upright piano, which he did. Nice. And uh, yes, and thank you so much still to Mr. Chegner, wherever you are. And um, yes, so I took piano lessons for many years and ultimately became uh, a musician uh, in my adulthood. Uh, the other toy was is kind of odd. It was a an operator's switchboard toy. Hmm. Now, ma many people in your audience are, are not even know what an operator is, and, or especially an operator switchboard. But, but when telephones first came out decades ago, mm -hmm. you had to pick up the receiver of the phone and speak into the receiver, talk to the operator, and she would connect the calls. Hmm. And so that's what I would do with my little toy. I had the I had the little cables that I could plug and unplug and pretend that I was, you know, connecting calls and would pick up the receiver. Hello. And uh, so both of those toys pretty much indicated what I would do in, in adulthood, because now I find that my voice has been on hundreds of phone systems. <laughs> so that little telephone was was giving me a hint of what my life was going to be like. Oh, that's that's very, very interesting. It, it, that's the reason I guess I put that question in very early, because <laughs> it's... Um... It's fascinating for some of the people I've talked to in the past that the indicators, as you say, of what they may work at or, or become later in life um, 
and and I think a lot of times sometimes those indicators are are there, but they actually don't go down that route early on, but maybe come around to to whatever that was over time. So fascinating start there. So you were creative, I would imagine, growing up. There seems like to be a creative streak. And when when I listened to your TED talk, I was fascinated to hear you were are are an introvert. Well, yeah, uh, on the Myers Briggs, I I forget my numbers, but I'm I'm like one percent of the population i'm mostly an introvert but i can rise to the occasion periodically which is good having been a a performer all my life um but i like to tell people that yeah i'm the kind of introvert that it's not that i don't ever want to be around people but i i certainly did not get the ta-da gene Mm. (laughs) so you know i don't i don't feel like i have to be out performing in front of people all the time uh, but I, I can rise to the occasion, of course, when I'm working with uh, my husband doing our music together. We had a band, um, a private event band for over two ge- decades. And I can also do that when I do my Siri presentations. I can, uh, you know, I'm not afraid or intimidated about being in front of an audience. But it's the kind of thing where uh, once I do that, I'm, I'm really ready to just go home and be by myself or just be with my husband and be you know kind of private so that's mm. what i that's my interpretation of introvert in this case no no totally totally get it i'm a i'm an introvert as well i, I guess an, an intj on the myers-briggs and uh i think podcasting social media in a way has, has kind of given introverts a bit more of a voice because they can kind of do it from the comfort of their own home and exactly. you know yes it's a good safe environment for them to maybe develop confidence and and grow into that that I suppose a little bit more extroversion or at least just saying what they what they feel um when you were growing up were you aware that you were kind of a bit more introverted or when you were performing was that kind of just a, a role you were taking on and a kind of detached from the real you well it's funny because there was definitely a line of demarcation in my childhood i was a i was quite a little wild kid you know very very young um, and I used to run around a lot, and I, and I, I seemed like an extrovert. Um, but there, uh, we we had a, a my my parents used to move around quite a bit. Um, my dad was the salesperson, and we would get transferred to different cities. And I think that's when the introversion really sort of I came it came out in me that like oh I I don't know any of these people how am I going to get along here that kind of thing. Um, I don't really know what triggered it, but I seem to have you know. I, I seem to have that that performance gene in there somewhere, but there's definitely the the, the introversion that that counteracts it. Have you heard of um, Susan Cain? Another Susan Susan Cain, her book um, Quiet Revolution. Yes, I, I did read it, and, and it was you know an important book, and I think it was an important book to people who are very introverted. Um, and as you say, with social media and technology in general, a lot of people who have difficulty just dealing with other people, even just people who maybe just feel completely different from other people, um, have different feelings about things than the majority of people, and they feel like they don't belong. I think that it's uh, it's a wonderful thing that you can communicate, you know, through uh, social media and texting and, and Instagram and all that kind of thing where, you know, you can get out there and express yourself and reach out to people without really having to be amongst them <laughs> and uh and it and it is a very helpful thing um uh, technology has been been very helpful in that area for people who who feel that way 
Absolutely. Very good. So when you were growing up then after finding your, your musical talent and your voice, I suppose, was was your voice always kind of distinctive? Had people said to you, you have a really strong voice, it's something you could use for, for work? No, actually, actually, um, really, the voice thing didn't come about until much later. I was, uh, I played the piano uh, for many, many years, well, starting at age four, and I didn't really start to sing or do anything vocally until high school and then I did the same in college and actually the voiceover career happened uh, as the result of a very happy accident um, we're talking about back in the 70s and 80s when they used to create uh, original music for commercials and we used to sing what are called jingles which are songs that are for commercials and you could actually have a career doing that we did so much of it now they seem to use old pop songs a lot for instead of just creating new new music. Uh, but we used to uh, go into the studio and record all the time. And one day I had been in a group that was singing for a particular uh, commercial. And the voice actor, who was supposed to read the copy for the spot, did not show up for whatever reason. And after a certain amount of time, the owner of the studio said, Susan, you don't have an accent. <laughs> of course, to you, I have a very thick American accent, I'm sure. But uh, it's a very neutral American accent. And so I was asked to do to do the voiceover part. And uh, being a freelancer, uh, you know, a little bell went off, ding, 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 I can do this. And got a voice coach and a talent agent, and I've been doing voiceovers ever since. Wow, nice lucky break. And, and with, with, with the voice coach, would that be elocution kind of lessons or, or I suppose how did it how did that start to, to develop and work that out it's not really elocution it's you know there's a skill to doing voice work especially uh you have to be a good reader you have to be able to read cold now some of these things aren't as essential as they used to be when we recorded onto tape now that you record you know on the computer you can just you know quickly delete and, and redo something very simply but in the past it it they really relied on the voice actress being able to be, you know, skilled in that in that way. Um, uh, a good reader, and you have to be able to look for radio and TV commercials. I don't know how it is uh, there, but in the states, it's either fifteen seconds, thirty seconds, or sixty seconds. And most of the time, uh, producers seem to come up with too much copy, so you'll have to put 62 seconds worth of copy into like 59 seconds, that sort of thing. So you really have to learn the skill of reading convincingly and and uh, and acting. It's, it's actually more acting than anything else. You really do have to be able to act uh, with your voice, uh, unless you're just a, a strictly an announcer. And uh, so, so basically, I was taking lessons from an actor who did who and a theater actor who happened to also do a lot of voice voice work and of course that's very different in the theater you're trying to project and in the studio you're trying not to project because you're only you know five inches away from a microphone so you don't you know you have to it, it, you have to learn a particular skill to do it okay and then i believe practice is the you know deliberate practice and doing things over and over to get to get better at it is is, is vitally important how much time would you have put into your practice for becoming you know a voiceover artist and even becoming a really strong one like what set you out from from others 
you know, I really, it's really hard to answer that question because uh, I can't really remember all the amount of time that I spent. A lot of what I was able to do was pretty intuitive. I, I just had a natural feel for it. And I think that a lot of people who do voiceover work come from other practices, such as some sort of music or DJing or acting are the three primary places that, that voiceover people come from. Um, you don't usually find someone that, that just does voiceovers that, you know, that seems like they have other aspects of performing that they do as well. And so it's really tough for me to say. Um, I really was fortunate enough to have a, a lot of on-the-job training. And uh, I will have to say one of the things that, that people don't really take into consideration is luck. I've, I've been very fortunate in my life. I mean, that, that I accidentally started doing voiceover. Um, you know, I think that people forget how important luck can be. One of my favorite movies is by Woody Allen and it's called match point. And the whole premise of the movie is that we don't give enough importance to luck and we don't appreciate it. Um, the movie starts off with a couple of tennis players and the ball hits the net and goes perfectly perpendicular and uh, straight up in the air, and the whole premise is, well, whichever way the ball falls, it's not as if it were because of the skill of either person. You know, it's like whatever, it was just sheer luck where that ball landed. And so he proceeds to go through the whole movie about this rather reprehensible character who, who has a lot of luck and a lot of good fortune as a result of it, even though he was a bad person. So... Uh, <laughs> We can't, uh, you know, we can't uh, forget about luck. So um, it's interesting. I, I um, uh, the sliding doors movie. If you if, if you recall that movie, kind of comes to right. my mind there, where you're, where the guy was getting onto the uh, London train and got, or I think it was, actually I think it was um, uh, what's her name, the lady that was married to uh, Chris Martin. Um, oh yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, she she banged her nose and had to go back, and you know those parallel universes that are going on probably but right. but look yeah I, I probably could go into a whole podcast talking about about look you, you, you <laughs> don't you don't believe in the harder you work the the lucky you get no that 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 doesn't come into it oh absolutely oh yeah i think that you have to work for it learning more learning as much as you can learn is never bad you know in a broadening your horizons being curious, learning new things, trying different things that can never be bad. And, you know, you don't know where it's really going to lead you. Some people think, you know, this whole idea of just, oh, follow your dream. Well, um, that, that's nice and you can do that, but you've also got to live in this world and live in the material world and make a living and pay your bills and all that kind of thing. And you should really try a lot of different things because sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll go along a certain path and you keep going along that path and you keep hitting a brick wall. And at some point in time, you're going to have to go, well, I'm either going to, you know, kill myself, you know, smashing my head into this brick wall, or maybe I should try another path. And then you never know that might be your calling. So, you know, I just think having an open mind and just gathering as much information about yourself and about the world as you possibly can is, is a good thing. Mm, totally agree. It sounds like you have, the kind of learning and continually trying to grow as as a value for for yourself would that be something you're very conscious of? Yes, 
Yes, I do. I read a lot, and uh, I've been taking Spanish classes now for several years, mm. and uh, just to, you know, keep my mind uh, really sharp. And uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that's a little bit of a not a good thing about all of these fabulous digital voices that we have. You know, Siri, Alexa, Cortana, Google, all of those things. Mm. They're very, very helpful, but they can also be. I think they can be slightly uh, detrimental to kids because kids part of growing up and learning to expand your mind and to learn the process of doing things you know i mean i think a lot of times they're not learning the processes of doing certain things because they just you know they pick up the phone and they ask them siri do this alexa do this and uh yeah so i i think we need to you know kind of rein that in a bit i think um parents and teachers need to kind of you know, okay, well, let's let's try putting these devices away for a couple of hours and see what we can do with our with the original computer, i.e., our brain. Mm. <laughs> it's it's definitely a funny one. I remember maybe ten years ago was probably the tipping point for for me when when I was maybe before that might be having a conversation with somebody and say, oh, geez, I can't remember. It'll come to me in a minute, sort of thing. But but now you just you don't even have to remember because you just click on the phone and either Google it or, or ask Siri or Cortana or whatever. So that part of the brain, whatever part of the brain where you had to recall something that happened a long time ago or you heard is kind of dying out probably or the uh, yeah. neurotransmitters yeah. aren't working as well. Well, you've heard that phrase, use it or lose it. I mean, it's true mm -hmm. for everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you if you use your brain, uh, it, it, it's going to be healthier than if you just let it, you know, let all these devices do everything for you, do all your thinking for you. Absolutely. So so talking about passion, were you always passionate about the acting, the voice acting and, and the, the, obviously the music probably pervasive and, and still passionate about it. But a lot of the time you hear people, yeah, follow your passion, but sometimes the passion doesn't pay the bills. So were you, again, going back to the look, you were passionate about what you were doing all the way through? Yes, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I've I've had some jobs that I just took just to you know for to get through school and that sort of thing. I was a librarian. I worked at the library, and um, but mostly I have been able to um, make my way um, just through music and through voiceover. <clears throat> so I've I've been very, very fortunate. And uh, you know, but the the thing is, you you pretty much have to do whatever you can do. And, uh, and, and many times that can lead to something else that you didn't even know that you could do. And that's why I'm just emphasizing the thing about keep an open mind and try mm. new things. Oh, I totally agree. I think I wrote on a blog last year and did a presentation about just my, my podcast journey, the amount of things I learned along the way by doing podcasting that I never expected I would learn when the original goal was to release episodes, but just to become more confident to be more persistent those sort of things you pick up along the way which which absolutely have been very beneficial so i totally connect with that um that statement there so over the 30 or so plus years you've been doing it you've you've had a lot of successful jobs i guess you were on commercials and for a number of years you were you were happily doing that but probably without any celebrity quote unquote would that be fair to say Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things I liked about it. It's the reason that it took me two years to reveal myself as the voice of Siri, because I really wasn't sure 
uh, what to make of the. I wasn't sure how much of a fame aspect there was going to be, and that fame is nothing that I had ever wanted or had aspired to. And so that was a, a big concern for me. I didn't want my privacy invaded. I, I didn't really know how to deal with the fact that I was the voice of Siri. It was a, a great life lesson for me. Um, I had to learn things about myself, and I had to um, put myself in a position of doing things that were scary or things that I wasn't really sure of. Things And uh, so that's why it was a, a fabulous life lesson for me. And one of the big lessons I learned is that you've just got to take some risks now and then if you're going to grow and if you're going to learn more about yourself or, or give yourself more options you've just got to put yourself out there a bit mm, no very, very true before we maybe talk a little bit more about that just to take a little bit back for folks that mightn't ha- have seen your ted talk or know the story of how you became the the voice uh, siri voice just maybe talk a little bit about that if that's okay well first of all it's still a mystery how the voices were chosen. Mine was the first English voice worldwide of Siri. But of course, there were other um, Siri voices that went into the iPhone on different countries, particularly, you know, when they're speaking different languages. There, even, even for English, there's, I'm sure, an Irish voice. I know the, the British voice was John Briggs from the BBC. And uh, I've met the Australian voice, Karen Jacobson. Um, she's, um, she lives in New York, but she did the Australian voice. We have no idea how our voices were chosen, um, but we all had the same experience, which was, uh, for me particularly, in the year 2005, I started reading these uh, things called IVR scripts, interactive voice response. And I read four hours a day, five days a week for the entire month of July. And those recordings ultimately became the voice of Siri. Now, the recordings that I did, the scripts for these recordings were created just to get all of the sound combinations in the language. They were created just for sound, not at all for meaning or content. And so these sentences were really, really odd and nonsensical and all had to be read in exactly the same way, the same pacing, the same pitch, the same tone, because after the recordings are done, Technicians and computers would go into the sounds, into the recordings, extract sounds, reform these sounds into new phrases and sentences. And these are what ended up on our devices as Siri's and Alexa's answers to our questions. So this this incredible process is called concatenation, which means linking things together. And so when we were reading these phrases, everything had to be very consistent because when they went in to extract the sounds, all the all of the sounds had to be quite similar. And so it was very, very tedious work, not creative at all. Uh, reading sentences such as cow hoist in the tub hut today, militia oi hallucinate buckra okra ooze, fossa ask fossa ask fussy. And, and there were you know, just really uh, repetitive things, trying to get all the different vowel sounds, for instance, say the shredding again, 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 say the shredding again. <laughs> so this was very, very, very tedious work. Uh, were, then, sorry, uh, just just on it, were, were they providing you, so they were providing you with written scripts of, 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 um, of these words oh, and yes. you were just talking about, and were you then kind of on a daily basis submitting what you did and they would review it, come back to you, or, or was that just... Oh, no. 
No, no, no. no. They they were directing it. Uh, it oh, was okay. it was recorded via ISDN. Right. And uh, I, I was working actually for a company called Nuance, and they are the biggest IVR company in the world. Apple had gotten the voices from them, and I believe Apple ultimately ended up buying Nuance. So I mean, I think I'm not 100 percent sure of that, but um, yeah. So we would have directors listening in as we recorded, and. Uh, and would you know if we read something in a way they didn't like, we'd redo it right there on the spot. So it's not something of coming back. And there were thousands, thousands, and thousands of these phrases. Mm. And was that the first time you recorded that in that kind of mode? I suppose in the past when you had other other jobs. I know you worked for McDonald's and Home Depot and all of those. They were just more standard scripts that you were reading. You hadn't done any work like this. Right. Before that, I had done a lot of uh, radio and TV commercials, narrations for films and documentaries, that sort of thing. And I had also done messaging and uh, for phones. And this is something I had in common with all the other series as well. We thought that we were just doing generic phone messaging when we started to do these recordings. But of course, they were very, very different from anything else we'd done before. However, before I worked for Nuance, I had worked for Lucent technologies which no longer exists but they were it was of course in a, in a much more um, primitive stage of, of all of this is leading to AI so this was you know in a much more primitive stage I had to wear something around my neck called a laryngograph because over the larynx to measure the sound waves and all of that stuff and and I had a person I had a, a linguistic vocal coach who was there to make sure that I was very articulate with everything I said. And that was, that was fascinating. <laughs> Fortunately, that didn't last very long because that was very difficult, very, very tedious and exacting. Very interesting stuff there. So it was two years after you did that recording that I think you said somebody called you up one day and said, do you realize your voice is on, on Apple devices? Is that uh, how it played out? Well, actually, it was more than two years. The recordings were done in 2005, and Siri first appeared in 2011. Oh, okay. But you're right. A fellow voice actor emailed me and said, hey, we're playing around with this new iPhone app. Isn't this you? And I went, what? <laughs> so I went on the Apple site and listened, and I said, yep, that's me. What on earth is this? <laughs> it was a surprise. Wow, a, bi- a big one. So at that a point... You were you weren't then you were saying okay this is going to probably take off. It took you a while to make the the decision then to come out as Syria, I guess. Yeah, I, I I really was afraid that it was going to impact my career because you know human beings have a tendency to stereotype, and in my particular business they would have a tendency to typecast me. If I were known as the voice of Siri, people would say, "Oh, well, that's Siri." Well, no, we need something other than Siri. It's like, well, well go to my website. I can do a lot more than Siri. And uh, so I was concerned about that, and uh, that was my that was my biggest concern. But also, uh, just you know, I mean, uh, just trying to deal with the fact that, unbeknownst to me, my voice was being used on millions and millions of devices. I wasn't exactly sure how to deal with that. And I certainly wasn't going to go up against, you know, the uh, God knows how many thousands of lawyers in the uh, the uh, Apple banks of lawyers. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a psychologically it was a it was a bit of a difficult thing to deal with. On the one hand, I was sort of the new voice of Siri, which a uh, new voice of Apple rather, which was that was fabulous. It was very cool. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, well. 
gee, I never worked for Apple. I never got a check from Apple. And who is this Siri person? And uh, so it took a minute to uh, to accept. Uh, that's a big word to accept uh, that I was the voice and, and to really uh, spin it to my own advantage to to enjoy, you know, to embrace good old Siri, you know, instead of uh, being sort of freaked out by it. And uh, that was that was the big life lesson. And I think that one of the things that I've noticed in life and I've been on the planet for quite a few years at this point, um, when you when you do jump out of your your proverbial comfort zone and when you do you know face your fears and just take a bit of a risk it seems like the universe is always with you on that and that was certainly the case for me because uh all sorts of wonderful things happened i i made a lot of you know appearances on on american tv and uh did hundreds of interviews got some fabulous agents in law in uh, los angeles to represent me and also i just started a whole new career doing Siri appearances and presentations. Um, and so, you know, which I, of course I never would have done had I not been the original voice of Siri uh, because it gave me a bit of notoriety. And fortunately for the introverted part of myself, I'm not so famous that people really know who I am. I mean, I don't get recognized on the street. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Oh, brilliant it, it definitely life has taken on a different meaning just just quickly to go back wh when you actually did the voice recordings for i think it was scansoft you said um or new, new um, yeah, Scansoft. Uh, Scans yes yeah. so when you do that typically do you you, you get a, a check in the post and you hand over all rights and the terms and conditions were signed so so that's how apple were allowed to purchase it and, and utilize it is, that's why you probably didn't go against Not it. exactly that way. And I was working with a liaison company that I still work for. And so I was sort of encouraged to do this. And uh, I've talked to other original Siri voices, and the same thing is true for them. We thought we were just doing generic phone messaging. And, um, and so, yeah, we probably, you know, if I had had any inkling as to what was going to happen, I may not have signed that, you know, that infamous contract, but at the time, you know, and this is why you can't regret decisions that you've made in life because when at the time you think you're doing the right thing for yourself and, you know, ultimately maybe I wasn't doing the right thing as far as getting, uh, paid, um, appropriately for the amount that my voice was being used. But at the time, it meant a lot of work for me. I was very happy to do it. It was interesting work. At least <laughs> the first few hundred sentences that were interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, and then ultimately, it led me to a whole new career. So, you know, I think that's another lesson. And it's one of the things that I talk about in my presentation is that, you know, what happened to me with Siri happens to all of us. And that is the unexpected. You know, we never know when some kind of thing is going to happen to us, whether it's positive or negative it's going to require some sort of decision-making on our part because almost always the unexpected is going to force some kind of change. And particularly with technology, technology has forced a lot of change for many of us. And so, you know, I think we have to learn to be open-minded and, 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 you know, be able to adapt to, to whatever happens, you know, the vagaries of life. <laughs> no, it's, 
totally I can totally see where where you're coming from with with that the the unexpected benefits that can come along from some of these when you make decisions now has that changed as a result of all that's happened have you a, a decision making process do you uh, go with intuition or or I'd love to know how you kind of make tough decisions well I think if if my if my automatic answer is no I make myself revisit it and say why are you saying no to this you know are you know are you afraid to go to this place and do this thing or why are you saying no to this and and then I'll make myself just really study it and analyze it and think about it and really try to force myself whenever possible to say yes um, I was raised you know, at a time, I was raised by people who lived through a major depression and two world wars. And so, of course, they're going to have a very different view on life than someone, you know, raised now. I mean, we definitely, we always have things we have to deal with. But, you know, I think that there's a much more positive ring to life now than there was at that time. And so I was raised with a lot of uh, fear and caution and reservation. And so, that's automatically my first reaction to some things. I'll go, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And so I went, okay, there you are saying no again. Let's see why. <laughs> and let's see if there's some way for you to say yes. So, you know, it's an individual thing. You have to get to know yourself and you have to know why you are the way you are. And without blaming people because, you know, uh, parents, of course, are going to have just a, a ridiculous influence on their kids but um you know unless they're abusive or negligent and doing the best they can you can't really blame them for the things they give you you have to figure out a way to use them and uh and and just, you know take responsibility for your own self totally knowing yourself for me is the foundation i think that you can kind of build your life on and um i talk a lot about emotional intelligence and self-awareness self-management things like that on, on the show with other guests just interested how or what approach did you use to get to know yourself better is there anything you stand out things you've done over your, your life that uh, have helped you connect in with who you are better i've always been a very introspective person um i've always questioned things and uh you know, I question the world. There's so much more out there than we even begin to to uh, imagine. And uh, you know, I qu I question a lot of different things, and and I just try to. Uh, I think that I do tend to be an overthinker too, which I would caution against. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, it can be you know cause sleepless sleeplessness and a lot of other uh, issues, but. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I have done a lot of, of reading about, you know, self-help and I've, and I've talked to different therapists and run, you know, run, I, I've always questioned things always. And, um, I think that, you know, that's the, one of the uh, advantages of getting older is that, uh, you don't, you aren't as, uh, overwhelmed by ambition and, and the need to make money or the need to do this or that, you know, you, you can be a little bit calmer about, you know, uh, taking your time to figure things out. But I think that, you know, as young people, if you can start to do that, I think that's a really positive thing. Um, 
know who you are and uh, and really uh, question things. Mm-hmm. I think being an introvert and not to harp back onto that as well, but are probably some of the traits there um, of introversion is overthinking and looking inward oh, a lot absolutely. as well. Yes. So. What's a typical day like for you now or a week? You're, you know, you're probably in a lot of demand. I'd love to know what, you know, what you do on a daily basis, what motivates you to to keep pushing forward? Well, uh, every day is different. And, um, you know, I have my own home studio. And so, uh, you know, usually at least two or three times a week, I'll have some sort of you know, sessions going on, but I do a lot of interviews and I do a lot of Siri presentations and, and appearances, which I, I really have grown to love. And, uh, one of the things is, uh, it's allowed me to, to travel. I've had the good fortune of traveling a lot in my life already, but this even gives me, uh, an, another opportunity to, to, uh, meet different people, to see different places. And, uh, so there really isn't such a thing as a typical day, although I really don't do quite as much as I used to do. Um, and, uh, some of that is just, uh, age related, I think. And, uh, some of it is just, uh, just my brain. I mean, I, I feel like at this stage of my life, I'm, I'm really, looking into doing some other things i don't really know what those are yet (laughs) beware (laughs) (laughs) very good do you do you set goals for yourself do you have an approach for goal setting um my goals usually have to do with the work that i'm doing and uh so the goals that i will set for myself is you know i i I customize every presentation that I do, and uh, consequently, I I add and subtract different information, and so um, I try to, you know, memorize all of that, or at least memorize the cues of what I'm going to be speaking about. So, um, in that sense, I have a goal, you know, for my my next presentation is in early April, and so that's the goal that I'm thinking about now. But as far as just um, my life, I think my goal is just to, you know, try to be a decent person. And with all the, ugh, with all the hate and all the, you know, awful speech that's going on and, and just all of the, I don't know, sociopathic activity from our, in our different governments at the moment, uh, it's, it's, it's hard not to get depressed about, you know, where, where the, uh, where life is going and I think we have to remember that human beings have always had these frailties and have always had these faults we just hear a lot more about them with uh media 24 7 and so I think if we can just start just with with ourselves just trying to be decent people in our in our everyday life to the people around us so that that's a goal every day <laughs> sure sure no absolutely is there anything you do to to practice positivity practice gratitude is there you know, saying a cliche phrase or something you do that, that keeps you uh, in a positive place? Oh yeah, I do. Uh, I, I talk to myself in the universe every night and, uh, and I also have, uh, just, you know, little things that I have in my mind, repetitions that I, that I do there that are positive. And, uh, of course, deep breathing is always really good. And, uh, yeah. Hmm. Very good. You said you read a lot. Is there a book that um, you've read recently that has had an impact on you? I think probably my favorite book in the last few months was the biography of um, Leonardo da Vinci. Absolutely incredible. Uh, it's it's so fun to read about some of these 
quote, superhuman humans. I mean, this guy was really, really something. And uh, it was just, he didn't even consider himself an artist. He painted, but he thought of himself as an engineer. And uh, just the story of his life, it's, it's a very long book. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how many people are going to want to tackle it, but I just loved it. Uh, now I'm reading a book called The Lost Man, which is, um, uh, it's it's a really, really interesting. I, I liked it, as with movies, I like books that take place in other other countries or, or other, in other, in unusual situations. And so this takes place in the Australian outback, and it's, I've just barely started it, and it's uh, pretty fascinating. Okay, very good. I have a book page on the website, so I'll add those two there. The, the Leonardo da Vinci one, was that Walter Isaacson? Did he write that? You know, I would have to look it up. I don't no. remember it offhand. Don't worry, yeah. I'll check it out. I just think I remember doing an audible book of um, about a year ago. It was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. It was about 20 hours long. So I think it was, um, what was the, the guy, one of the founding fathers of the U.S. Uh, that taught, that developed, kind of had early electricity and a million other kind of inventions. His name escapes me. Oh, now. Da Vinci! You know, Da Vinci was was developing flying machines. You know, and I, I think I can't remember. I think he was in the fifteen hundreds or so. No. Mm. Oh, I'm losing my history. This is terrible. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, like decades and decades and decades before, um, before modern times, he was de- he was inventing all of these things, all these amazing things that he couldn't quite get them to work. <laughs> Not all of them, but. Uh, it's just fascinating, a fascinating story about this man. And he had a lot of, he had, you know, a lot of uh, things to overcome. Um, he was gay. Um, he, uh, he, you know, he never got a, a whole lot of money and, and uh, he would go from place to place to work and he would drag his paintings with him. He never thought his paintings were done. So, I mean, there he was dragging the Mona Lisa around <laughs> from place to place. And we look at it now and just go, oh, my God. Yeah. You no. know, if he only knew it was going to be worth millions and millions of dollars, yeah. but he, yeah, he, it's a fabulous story. No, he he probably wasn't driven by by the money for sure. And I'm, I've just uh, googled it there. It, it actually um, it is Walter Isaacson, and the book I'm thinking of for whatever reason I couldn't remember Benjamin Franklin. Uh, it, it was done by Walter Isaacson as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet that would be a great one. That was another. Renaissance man. <laughs> Another crazy guy as well. And ironically, well, not ironically, but to tie it all up and we can leave it here, um, Walter Isaacson also did uh, Steve Jobs' biography. So oh, okay. There you go. Oh. It, it ties it up nicely with uh, with Siri, and uh, we can probably leave it there. La- last one, Susan, and again, thanks so much for, for doing this. Is there a piece of advice you've uh, been given that you kind of come back to, that you kind of live by, that you could share? Not really anything more than what I've said already. Um, no, no piece of advice was ever given to me, um, particularly. Uh, so I would just have to say, you know, keep an open mind and don't be afraid to take some risks. <laughs> Very good. For folks that want to check you out online, how could they do that? Well, I have a website that has a lot of information there, and it also has an email address. You can contact me if you are a potential voice person that wants to know how to get into the business. I have a documentary I put, I mean, a, yeah, a document, excuse me, a document I put together with some information, some advice there. So the website is susancbennett.com, and Bennett is B E N N E T T. 
So there's that. You can reach me, although I'm not particularly active on social media. I'll have to say I have a person that, that does most of it for me. But if you want to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Seriously Susan, and that's S-I-R-I-O-U-S-L-Y, Susan. Um, my Facebook page is Susan Bennett-Voice of Siri. Brilliant. I'll put all that in the uh, show notes and yeah, definitely look forward to sharing this one and uh, hopefully it'll get well received. Thanks so much, Susan. Have you been to Ireland? No, I have not. No, I have not. I've been to England. I haven't been to Scotland or Ireland, just just England. So that's 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 uh, on the bucket list, I would have to say. Well, look, I have half of my listenership is in Ireland, obviously being from Ireland. So maybe somebody listening here might be um, interested in getting you to come over. Contact my agent. His information is on my website, Wes Stevens at Vox Inc. And uh, he does all the booking. And yeah, I'll come to Ireland happily. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what might happen. As you said, you said yes to doing this interview and these unexpected things can happen from time to time. So hopefully it works that way. Susan, look, I'll let you go. Have a great rest of uh, day, weekend. Uh, best of luck in your new presentation in April. And uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Good luck. Hey guys, just before you go, I'd love to hear from you if anything specific stood out from that episode, something you might take away and try and implement in your own personal or professional life to help make you that little bit better. On the other side, is there anything you think I could do better to make the show even more enjoyable, more impactful and maybe meaningful? So drop me a note, rob at robofthegreen.ie or connect in on any of the social platforms at robofthegreen. We also have a community on facebook check that out if you're really enjoying the show maybe you could try and leave a rating or a review on itunes apple podcasts app go in there give us a rating let us know how we're doing that'll help with the ranking of the podcast up those charts the more folks that potentially see it because we're high up the better the more that might listen that never heard of it before and the goal of the show is to try and reach more and more people and have that impact more and more so that's down to you please do help me with that I'm not going down the route of hiring podcast promoters, quote-unquote, from other parts of the world because they say they can help with the ranking and I don't really believe them or it's not very authentic. Help me do it in an authentic way. I'd really appreciate it. This year, I'm going more all-in on Patreon. So it's three bucks a month. You can sign up, subscribe to Rob of the Green on Patreon.com. That will give you access to Patreon-only content, Nearly all the episodes of the 864 podcast are on there and new ones will be added only there. The 1% Better Show will have early releases there, but will still come out for free on robofthegreen.ie. There'll also be live shows this year, some phone-in shows, extra content, three euros a month. Will hopefully, the more folks that subscribe, allow me to do more and more stuff on there, add more and more content. At the end of the day, that's the price of a pair of socks, maybe, that you might lose, or a coffee. One way or the other, it's up to you. If you want to join, you'll still get free stuff otherwise. But if you're enjoying what we're doing, help us grow, help us expand it. I'd really appreciate that. Adding new stuff onto the website all the time. There's an affiliates page under the Be Better drop down. Check in there. There's training courses that you can sign up to. More and more stuff will come in over time. Into season three now of this fun, fun journey. Huge learning. Hopefully you're getting something from it too. Stick with it. Let's keep going. Enjoy the journey even more. Have a great day, week, weekend, and thanks for checking it out. Good luck.